Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. So I wake to the news that Astro from UB40 has sadly died. Did you yeah, see I just this? heard that too. And, uh, and uh, sorry, I, I just started looking on, on Twitter, and there is an absolute classic example about how when bands fall out, they really fall out, that... Um, that Astro was latterly uh, performing with Ali Campbell, one of the Campbell brothers, uh, as Ali Campbell and Astro. But their Twitter handle is UB40, yeah? So there's, there's a kind of, you know, there's a message on that site, obviously, saying saying that he died, you know, after, after a very short illness. But if you, if you then look on the, uh, on the elsewhere on Twitter, you find the rest of UB40, who say R.I.P. Astro? We've just heard the sad news that ex member of old uh, ex member of UB40, Terence Wilson, known as Astro, has passed away after a short short illness. Our sincere condolences to his family, which is fair enough, obviously. But but it, it's they've ended up, you know, all these years later, warring with two warring Twitter handles, one of which is UB40. And the other of which is UB40 official. You know what I mean? You, yeah, I'm sorry. There's a part of you that thinks after all this time, can you not? Surely that can be resolved. Get all about this stuff. You know also, what I mean? ex member of UB40. Quite harsh, just, it could be our old pal. It's beyond, member, the, yeah. it's beyond the grave now, this energy it is. goes on. You know, it is absolutely astonishing, you know, as we've reflected time and time again, that if you have a hit record as a, as a, in your early 20s or whatever, you're married forever. You, know what I mean? you are. And so it's like, they're like a bitter divorced couple, made more acrimonious by the fact there's two, there's two brothers here at the yeah. centre of this, you know. Robin goes one way and Ali goes the other way. It always seems inconceivable to me, you know, that groups can't reform. You think, 
not just the money, the money is going to be absolutely colossal, but the idea that it would be so wonderful, surely, to go back and have that feeling that there's 10, 15,000 people more going mental hearing that music and the fun you get out of playing it. So the fact that you can't do that gives you some indication of just how huge the level of falling out has to be. It's breathtaking, isn't it? It's probably, it's probably so terrible. It's probable that nobody can remember what caused it. You know what I mean? It goes back so far. Yeah. I mean, it's such a long story, isn't it? UB40 and um, just how popular they were, you know, and how many records they sold in the in the late 70s and 80s. It's just absolutely astonishing. Well, they Didn't were all we... over smash hits when we were there, weren't they? Early yeah, 80s, they were. Red Red Wine and all that. was just massive. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you also, didn't you commission the feature in Q? Was it in Q? Because you wanted to see a picture of all of UB4. Yes, I did. Their, God, I forgot all about their, that. And their dependents. I did. And, you know, I can still remember the number of people I think who were in the picture. Was it 52? Something was it 52 like... grandchildren? I can't remember. That was so so 50, ridiculous. They had the most staggering number of grandchildren, didn't they? And they also spent their money investing in all sorts of interesting things. I think they bought some land in Jamaica. Do you remember no, that? I think so, I yeah. But there was the UB40 family was an enormous, sprawling concept. And, that, and that's, why they had to keep, that's why they had to keep working. Absolutely. <laughs> they got a lot of food to put on a lot of tables. A lot of tables, you know? exactly. And, uh, but anyway, you know, it's very sad it to see sad. the death of Australia. And, uh, but, you know, why, why can't all groups just get along you know, in the end? You know, there has to be a point at which they just put all their differences You'd aside. You'd think so. But again, as I say, it just gives you some idea of the measure of how much they must have fallen out that they've done. Yeah, yeah. So then another sad news, and also news, there's this terrible case in Houston, Texas, uh, which you've no doubt seen of... Um, oh, the Astroworld a- Festival. Astroworld yeah, Festival yeah. featuring Travis Scott. Um, eight people found dead. Um, announced already, and you know, people more people injured, and you know, these are teenagers, early 20s, or whatever. And uh, this was the rap of Travis Scott's concert, wasn't it? I think, yes, yeah, he's he's done this, he's done this more than once. Um, so is the story I'm trying to work it out. The story is that if you go to a venue. Um, I mean, it's the same with football venues. Obviously, there are VIPs. No, it's not. It's not. That's the, the, anyway, go on. No, I was going to say, right. if you go to a football venue, you, you, you're not aware of the kind of VIP. But, you oh, know, right. Loftus Road at QPR, you can just see there's a there's a tier of kind of glass-fronted boxes. And you're kind of aware that there are people in there having a, 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 a apparently a slightly more uh, well-heeled time than you are. But you know, it's not, you're not reminded of it. Whereas at festivals, the new thing now is to build VIP stands, isn't it? Seating areas. Am I right? Which I think think, can block the view. Yeah, I don't know if that's particularly what happened in this case. I mean, listen, nobody quite knows what's happened, but except that this appears to have been organised according to general admission principles, which are known, you know, satirically as festival seating, which means no seating at all. Which means that when people get in, they, you know, they swarm towards the front. And there was footage on social media. I don't know if you saw this. People, yeah, uh, people breaking being, through the VIP, being admitted, 
being admitted and just tearing through, kind of enjoying the the feeling of you know breaking through turnstiles and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you thought that could get out of hand really quickly, and obviously, you know, during this show, it did get out of hand uh, to the extent that. It, and this is open air, obviously. Open air. I think it's 50,000 or 70,000. A lot of people. Yeah, there. yeah. Uh, to an extent that, that an ambulance at one stage was driving through the crowd to have to, to get to you know, the injured, which is horrifying, you know, obviously. And this thing keep, keeps going, you know. And, um, and this is... People are paying $150 for this. Now, I know I know you shouldn't equate the price with, you know, life and limb and so forth. But, you know, it struck me that if you um, if you pay $150 for anything else in, 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 the, in life. You expect a some meal, kind of security. You're, yeah, you're, you're kind of looked after, aren't you? You know you what are. I mean? And, uh, you know, and I'm sure they'd have security there and then have police there and so forth. When you compare it to all the other things in life that you might go to nowadays, you have to say that the, the kind of the danger involved in those big music, outdoor music things is greater than the danger you would encounter anywhere else, it seems to me. I don't know anywhere else which would, which would be as dangerous as we've you know, reflected time and time again on these podcasts. If you go to football nowadays, it's not like that at all. It's you could turn up at football five minutes before kickoff and you won't miss anything at all. No, you know, you'll be uh, safely. And yeah, yeah, you can be out of that place 10 minutes after the final whistle. No trouble at all. Um, only music gigs, not like that at all, you know. And um, I just think if you paid $150, completely, they have a duty of care to you, don't they? For crying out loud. And I think I think if there's if there's calls for as I think there undoubtedly will be you know because this is a, a promoter owned by Live Nation you know the yeah. the big worldwide promoter um, and I think there will be calls for kind of congressional inquiries and whatever and I say that bloody should be you know what I mean and I think it's about time this whole this whole racket was dragged into the daylight completely because I mean what have people, people do you remember that terrible incident was it seventy nine with the Who with the Who well, which was uh, 40, basically people 40 years ago. I know. People stampeding years to ago. get into the venue because the Who was sound checking late. And they thought that the gig had begun and panicked and, and ran in and, oh, it just there was a crush and it was absolutely appalling. So, you know, d- 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 you can't believe that things haven't improved. Massively. No. And, uh, and they no doubt have in some respects, but. Um, but you know, if a thing like this can happen, that it's just a terrible, terrible thing. But so, I think the more focus on the on these kind of events, the better. You know, because I think the if you if you go back and read the stories about the you know the nineteen seventy nine thing in Cincinnati, we yeah. were talking about, and uh, the um, the common complaint at the time was, oh, the promoters are you know making too much money and cutting corners and doing this, that, and the other. Well, I think the truth nowadays is that the acts are the people who ought to be in the spotlight over this stuff because they're the people who are making the money, the major money out of these things, and they like having a load of people. They like having a load of people who are not seated because they're easier to entertain. They're, they're, you know, there's reports that during that show he was, you know, he was encouraging 
people to rage, as he puts it. Yeah, I want to see a rage. You know, Christ. Most of these people yeah. swarm into, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. these people are are in are this, are responsible yeah. for this. And, um, you know, I think I think some attention needs to be drawn to it, you know, because I think there's a great tendency to think, oh, the, the acts can't be to blame for any of this stuff. It's all the suits. It's all the promoters. The, I don't think it's as simple as that at all. And I was just, I couldn't help, I'm going to read you a bit about the New York Times uh, account of Travis Scott. Uh, give a little bit, bit of background. Yeah. Since emerging from Houston in the early 2010s, Mr. Scott, New York Times always called. I know, I love, I love that. Anybody. And Mr. Lennon. Referring Mr. to a rapper. That's yeah, right. Well, yeah, it was yeah. just anybody. You know. yeah, yeah. Mr. Scott has become one of rap's most ambitious figures, pushing the boundaries of entrepreneurship and of the artist's role as a purveyor of branded products and fan events. That means he's Arthur Daly, effectively. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, he's out for every cent he can get. Completely. Frankly. And, uh, you know, and uh, it's, a, it's a terrible, you know, it's a terrible state of affairs. Terrible state of affairs. And, it um, is, that's a dismal tale. The Word Podcast, prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. So Lionel Blair also passed away this week. Lionel Blair, star of stage, screen, and absolutely everything. I can't remember a time without Lionel Blair. No, I you know, can't when he When he appeared on, you know, he appears in Hard Day's Night, doesn't he? Yeah, he's it's a choreographer. choreographer. Yeah, he and, is. Yeah. Uh, and the Beatles do this kind of cod tap dance number with him. And it seemed to me that he was already well established by that point. You know, yeah, I couldn't remember him emerging. Well, he started so, when he was four, didn't he? How old was he when he died? I think he, I'm pretty sure his first gig, first performances when he's four. That's showbiz, isn't it? My he God. was in his, he's in his 90s, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Time? And another, another key thing I discovered was that he shaved four years off his age. Yes. Didn't didn't admit it until 2016, yes. by which time he kind of got away with it. That's pretty cool to, <laughs> to have made himself four years younger. And then eventually got an award for the oldie of the year, didn't he, or whatever. He did. It was reminding me of ago. Chrissy Hind. Chrissy Hind said that she, she was very tempted to add two or three years to her age. Because she said, if you add two or three years to her age, people go, wow, you look brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> But so, anyway, of course, the, the other, you know, he, he became he became legend all over again, thanks to I'm sorry I haven't a clue. Not always happily, you know, that the Humphrey Littleton used to do these. Oh, it was um, the running gag, wasn't it? Yeah, the running gang event that, that always that always revolved around how wildly gay Lionel right, Blair right, We all thought he was gay, didn't we? Yeah. Which he yeah. wasn't. But yeah. he was just—he was showbiz camp. But you know, he, he this joke kept going for years, and um, and to the extent that it really got to Lionel Blair. And when Humphrey Littleton died, and uh, Lionel Blair, I saw this quote said, you know, you shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but I'm glad he's dead or something like wow. that. Wow. And then that when Jack when Jack D took on the job of hosting, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, after Humphrey Littleton died, he resumed the joke. You know, so this thing was just going away again, week after week after week. 
in one well, of the that's, that's the trouble radius, with the long joke that's popular. If, if you keep hammering it it just keeps getting funnier <laughs> It's like the Andrew Neil picture in Private Eye. It's still, still. Gets funny, I suppose that's, that. That is true. That is I, true. He, Andrew uh, Neil must just wake in the middle of the night and stab a wax effigy of Ian Hislop <laughs> with knitting needles. <laughs> you bastard! But yeah, no, uh, that's incredible. Don't you think it's interesting that those people, Lionel Blair and Bruce Forsyth, Norman Wisdom, Bob Monkhouse, all those guys, these kind of light entertainment figures, used to be kind of just massively universally mocked, didn't they? Highbrow media always took the piss out of them. And that's kind of changing now. Oh, it's changed. I appreciate it. Went... How incredibly talented those guys are. I was reading a thing about Lionel Blair and I had a look at this uh, clip that there, there is of him. Oh, him and in Sammy Davis. Dancing tap off with, uh, with, with Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, yeah. It is fantastic. Absolutely incredible. Where was I looking at a clip, the other similar clip, the other day of, and I'm sure people can find this on YouTube, yeah. uh, Bruce Forsyth and Roy Castle. Oh, I've seen that. It's amazing. And they play all those instruments, don't they? They're play playing drums, instruments. Drums. And, and, you, and you're looking at them, you're thinking, they're doing that. They are doing that. Yeah. There's no digital jiggery-bokery involved yeah. with that. Yeah, they're doing they just that. Pick up the only way you can just tear off a riff, don't they? It's phenomenal. Xylophone. There's one with him and Norman Wisdom doing the same thing. Norman Wisdom suddenly stops and there's a drum kit, plays this fantastic solo, and then sings. And oh, it's just breathtakingly talented people. So here's the conclusion that if you now anybody who made it back in those days is more talented than anybody who makes it nowadays. Because people who make it nowadays only do one thing. They only do one thing. Now, then, because you had to be on variety shows, so you had to have a variety yeah. of acts to some extent. You probably had yeah. to do a bit of plate spinning and, you know, magic tricks and uh, comedy. That's probably true, isn't it? It's probably what? true. Anyway, the other, the, other thing, the other thing that guarantees Lionel Blair immortality is that I do think he's, he's one of the more natural um, uh, features of rhyming slang. Rhyming slang. In the, so Lionel Blair, Flair. Uh, Pete, Pete Tong would be the same, wouldn't he? No, but the thing about, the thing about people people talk about, uh, he was wearing a pair of Lionel. Yeah. And I always thought there's something very soft and nice about that, the idea. <laughs> the idea that you should lend your name. Yes. And also having having a name as wonderfully dated as Lionel. It <laughs> is. It attaches you know immediately who it Blair. is. You know exactly what the, is, what the rhyme is, precisely. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so there can't be many people still living whose, whose name is rhyming slang. Or as you say, Pete Tong, because Eartha Pete Kitt's Tong, gone. This, this, I don't know about Ru, Ru, Ruby Murray or a Charles Shaw Murray, as we used to call well, it. Ruby Murray's, Ruby Murray, long dead. Long dead. And Chaz and Dave, well, there was a Chaz and Dave having a shave, wasn't there? Yeah, well, that was, well, Brad Pitt, well, Chaz, Chaz is gone. Yeah, well, Brad's still yeah. in there. Other kid's dead. Brad Pitt's still with us. Um, Jeff Hurst. But, you know, well, shall we see their life? Like, college, wasn't it, a Jeff Hurst? Oh, okay, so Jeff yeah. is still with us. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, if you've got one better than a, than, a, than a Desmond Tutu, which isn't rhyming slap, it's still quite funny getting a Desmond Tutu. He's still with us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there was one, a new one I heard the other day. It was a nice little Anthea Turner. It's a nice little Anthea. Uh, That's quite good. Uh, uh, I mean, Erna. An, an Erna. And supposedly Iggy Pop for Iggy Pop for Cop, which I, I, I think is true. The Iggy's right. are after us. And there's certainly yeah. Kevin Keegan for a vegan. 
<laughs> it was a Kevin Keegan. And another brilliant one I heard, which was Ayrton Senna for a tenor. But another brilliant one I heard, which was going out for a Giorgio. Giorgio Armani, Asani. <laughs> a couple of, couple of Giorgios at lunch. And, and Torval and Deans. Torval and Deans means beans. So you have it, what do you have for breakfast? Torvilles on toast. That's good. <laughs> I mean, somebody, somebody posted. Somebody posted when you put this on Twitter. Somebody posted thing about uh, Mick Jagger was 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 northern for lager, wasn't it? Going out for a Mick. The Sean Ryder is pint of cider. Yuri Geller's lager. A pint of lager. A Mick Jagger. Well, it might work in Scotland, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, it would work in Scotland, wouldn't it? Can't it? Wouldn't and, work uh, anywhere else. A Dame Edna Everage is a beverage, which I didn't. know. <laughs> And my favourite one, I think, was a Bill Oddie. It was a Voddy, a vodka. A couple of Bills. A couple of Bills just to kind of give you a bit of Dutch courage. It's good, isn't it? But I agree with you. It, that's immortality, isn't it? He will always, there will always be people wearing Lionel players. Absolutely. God bless him. This is a junction in the Word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. So here's the Tom Tom Club uh, album, uh, 1981. So that means this is... 40 years old. 40 years, this year. yeah. <laughs> I know. That takes you back, doesn't it? Because I, I remember, remember this that record out. really fondly. I remember thinking that was an absolute, I still do, this, absolute masterpiece. Wordy Rapping Hood. What a clever song that is. Don't you think? Open you remember, the the I write the, um, did we run the piece, in, probably in Smash Hits, about this when it came out. We did. By a picture of them on a balcony. That's right. With Tina wearing a baseball cap. That's it. And a really sunny picture, wasn't it? Yeah. They're probably taking that. There's Compass Point, wasn't it, where this was done, I think. Um, that was part of what it was but all you about. you just think how, how adventurous that record was and how wonderful it was that things like that got in the charts. The fifth verse of that was in French, wasn't it? Mot pressé, <laughs> mot sensé, mot qui disons la vérité. You know, and the sound of the typewriter going through it, and just the what a word's worth. You know that that that's that chorus and all the little synthesizer riffs in it. It was just incredibly original, I think. The bass, and also it had one. It didn't just have one great hit on this. It had two, didn't it? Because Genius of Love is on here right. as well. That's right. Which is probably even better. Yeah. Um, because you were wondering if this is the well, most... Go on. No, it's, it's, I, I, I just thought that's a, it's a kind of spin-off group, isn't it? It's a spin-off group. It's not yeah. like the groups that people form when they leave a big band. This band was formed by two members of Talking Heads, and Talking Heads, you know, reunited after a while and went back on tour and made more records. So it's a splinter group, you know, it's a spin-off. And I think it's the most successful record ever produced. I mean, I can't think how many other spin-offs there were. The Massive will have to help us. There's, there was the power station. Yes. That was a few members of Duran Duran who went off and did something on their own, not terribly spectacularly, but they went back. Well, and yeah, it kind of did the all creatures. right, didn't it? There was the creatures, wasn't there, which is Budgie oh, and Susie. Yes. Good, 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 good. And I can't now remember, um, can't think of any more, actually. There must be more. Uh, there will be loads yeah. more. There's bound to be loads more. Uh, and if people know loads more, they can tell us. And if they know one who are more successful than Tom Tom Club, well, we want to hear it. We want to hear Huey, it. Huey, Huey Green used to say, <laughs> we want to hear it. Um, but, you know, meanwhile, t- 40 years ago, 40 years ago, the yeah. Tom Tom Club. Uh, I'm going to play that record later this morning. It's really good. So um, 
this huge great slab thing I've got in front of me, God, can't barely lift it off the desk. Yeah. Is the is the Paul McCartney the lyrics uh, book, which is is finally now out. And it's a strange beast, Mike. Uh, Mike. 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 <laughs> what do I get? All right, Kev. Yeah. All right, Kev. Yeah, uh, it's a strange beast. I'm trying to think. I don't own anything else, which is two books in a case. You know what I mean? It, it, it just the whole idea of two books just sort of doesn't work. It's not like, not, not like a double album, is it? You know what I mean? No. It's, it, there's an expectation that when you get to the end of a book, you've finished it. Whereas in this case, you know, because it's uh, it's two books of his lyrics and it's it's all arranged alphabetically rather than chronologically. You get to the end of the first one and they pick up the second one. And you Which get, you'd oh, have right. to do because if they'd done it chronologically, the second volume might in some cases have been barely leafed through. No disrespect <laughs> to him, but it's, no. it's the early stuff that you're really interested in. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. But what, what fascinates me, I've not seen a copy yet, but what fascinates me, I've read quite a lot about it, I've read a lot of the extracts, I've listened to them on the radio, is that... A lot of the time, Paul Muldoon, who's the Irish poet who's edited it and has done the interviews with him and drawn out all this uh, information about the songs, obviously suggests things to him. There's a bit where he suggests that She Loves You is like the hero of L.P. Hartley's novel, The Go-Between. And McCartney yeah, obviously yeah. goes, uh, yeah, absolutely. No, 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 it was, you know. There's a bit where he says, McCartney says that maybe the phrase, let it be, came from Hamlet. I, I don't know. It's possible. Um, <laughs> there's a bit where I was hearing on the radio, he was talking about his teacher at school, which is really interesting, actually. His teacher got him interested in Chaucer, got him interested in Shakespeare. And he said, and he also told him about the French symbolist Alfred Jarry, who is the, the guy who invented the notion of pataphysics, you know, and which is where he got the idea of pataphysical from, for Maxwell Silverhammer. You think, I, I did, I did he really? Or did he just know that word and put it in there? I don't know. I mean, after the event, he may be factoring in all sorts of stuff to, to um, you know, to keep our attention. And good luck to him. You know, he does a really good it's job. A, it's also that there, there's a kind of technical point here, isn't there? With because uh, we we've all done this where you yeah. you've interviewed you've interviewed somebody, 
and you've wanted to reproduce it just in their own words so that yeah. it's not it's not a it's not a dialogue you know it's not a not a normal feature you want to, it's in their own words and at a certain amount of the words that it's reproduced in will be words that have been suggested to them in the course of the interview by you because yeah. that's the way those things so work. So you're having to... Because the, the thing you say... appropriate those words. I mean, because Mark and I have done... We've done a lot of this. What are the... What's the, what's the question you use most frequently in any interview? It is, in what way... Yeah. Give me another can example. Can you give me an example? Yeah, you know, yeah. Because people talk in Expand nebulous terms, you know... Yeah, I've always felt that he was my best friend. How, how, how so? You know, in what way? Give me an example. And so yeah. it's in the course of that that you construct the good quotes. The good quotes rarely come straight out of somebody's mouth. They're midwifed by the writer. That's, that's how yeah. they turn into good quotes. And it's not, you know, it's not misleading in any way. It's completely honest. Uh, and because Muldoon has had to keep his voice out of this book because it's all it's done in first person fashion by McCartney, and um, and so you can spot a mile, yeah, occasionally the, the there are words, words he would you've never imagined McCartney using <laughs> in daily conversations. No, 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 um, but you, yeah, which is not, not to be snide about Paul McCartney in any way, but it's just it's just the way the book's done. And anyway, my advice to you is the advice I would give to we gave to we were talking to Mark Mark Billingham last week, and he said, "Should I get my mother to buy this for me for Christmas?" And I said, "Yes, that's certainly what you should do." Uh, so it's it's a brilliant thing to get as a gift. I don't I don't doubt that at all, um, and I'm sure it'll bring bring a lot of pleasure to people this Christmas. The Word Podcast. Fix yourself a drink and it's like being in the pub. And, of course, the other one that McCartney has been going on about, which is absolutely brilliant, is that the characters from Penny Lane, uh, he says, might or might not have been influenced by Dylan Thomas's Under Milkwood. The idea you've got all these little characters of village life. I guess, is, this, is this thinking about things after the event? It might be. And why not? God bless him. There's also this idea that... Which he, he even he is susceptible to the idea that you kind of appreciate great pop music more by likening it to things that are supposedly legitimate culture. Absolutely, you know, it, it gives it depth. Not, it gives it's it's nonsense, perspective. It's nonsense because, crying out loud, Penny Lane needs no further justification than what you can hear on that record. Not remotely. I couldn't agree more. It's just so perfect. It's the joy and strangeness of that record. It's 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 in the bloody... It's in the record. It's not in the song. It's in the record. It's the record. And it's It's the the way way he did it. It's a play, isn't it? The three verses, the banker, the barber, the farmer, and they all meet in the last verse. And the other amazing thing is that simultaneously, it's the blue suburban skies and the pouring rain. So it's it's a fantastic kind of dream sequence. God, it's brilliant. You're right. It just doesn't absolutely need any more. Absolutely everything. It doesn't need you to no. say, do you know what makes it really good? It's a bit like Dylan Dennis. I'll give over. That's the kind of thing. Your English teacher. 
That's again the thing your English teacher would say. You know, yeah, exactly. it's that, that's what yeah. people say who don't love and appreciate pop music. Know. You know what I mean? They're coming yeah. from somewhere else altogether. You know, Dylan Thomas should be bloody flattered he was ever mentioned in the same breath as Paul McCartney's Penny Lane, you know what I yeah, mean? Exactly. Rather than the other way around. But anyway, True. we, uh, I'm sorry, you, you've got me off on one. No, um, I agree with you. It's my favourite subject, you know, Nobel Prizes and all that nonsense. It's pop music. It lives within us. It needs no greater justification than that. You know, yeah. it doesn't yeah. need awards, doesn't need medals, anything. We've got it inside us in yeah. a way that we don't have other arts at all. Anyway, questions from the Massive. From the Massive. And, what have the uh, Massive come up with? All sorts of things. Uh, Richard Button says, after watching Viv Groskopf on uh, Wedding Your Attic and pondering music played at weddings, why do wedding DJs always play Come On Eileen? Because it's difficult to dance to. And he even stops in the middle. Good points. Good points. Why? And, yeah, it's it's not an obvious thing to dance to at all. Oh, right. I, I suppose it's, pretty- it's a kind of folky sing-song, isn't it? Everybody knows it. Everybody in the room knows it. It's Everyone kind of- knows it. It's got an identifiable chorus. It's got a it's got a fiddle on it, which makes it kind of multi-generational, doesn't it? <laughs> that's the that's truth. a little bit, you know, everybody, oh a fiddle, that's kind of it's kind of Irish music. It's not kind of yeah, yeah. You know, you know, bracing pop music we normally get, you know. Yeah, no, no that's true. That's but true. the great that's tracks, true. Let's Twist Again for Weddings. Yeah, Crazy in Love. I'll tell you another classic, The Love Cats by The Cure. All right. Works. Okay. Hey yeah. Ya by Outcast. The Locomotion is a monster. Uh, Sweet Caroline, uh, Love Shack. That's what, I've, that's what I'm offering. <laughs> All those are good. Very they good. work. Very good. Yeah. Bobby, Bobby Seals wants to know, do you ever regularly skip a track on an album, even if it's a supposedly outstanding track on a genuinely great album? Just, just because you've heard it so many times before. He says, when he listens to Led Zeppelin 4, he will skip Stairways to Heaven. Yes, I've done that many, many times. Uh, yeah, there's many times I might want to listen to Led Zeppelin 4, but the minute Stairways to Heaven comes on, that's enough. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Because you just, too you familiar. just said it. Too long. Absolutely. Too long. Too long. Too familiar. Way too long. Familiar and short, you can put up with, but familiar and long, yes, yeah. that's the that's the deadly that's the deadly com- combination. Somebody wants to know if you picked up a copy of the UK Rolling Stone magazine. I didn't realise it was out, so no, I haven't. I don't think you have, Mark. Have no, you? I haven't. No. Uh, and um, okay, James Wilkinson says, "Why are people, mainly blokes, so keen to tell you how they get?" Trap mask replica. I contend that nobody does, but that's lots good. like to claim they do. Oh, and is good. there any? And is there any female on record as appreciating it? I'll God. tell you my journey. I'll tell you my journey with trap mask replica, uh, James. I am not afraid to say, to confess, that I first got it, got into it at the age of nineteen, twenty, or whatever because I thought this is the kind of thing I ought to be into. And I used to love the way John Peel used to uh, used to talk about the good captain and his magic band. I thought the idea of a group called Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band, that's just so kind of out there. 
And I thought, I want a piece of this. And I heard it. And um, and I, I've only ever been able to take it in really small doses. The do- doses being moon- Moonlight on Vermont. Moonlight which on is, Vermont. Elegaroo. The dust closed forward, the dust yeah. closed back. Those and the dust. That, and and, and I've, I was always very keen on the chat in between tracks where you can hear him talking to people and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, but have I ever, I agree would I ever sat down and listened to it? No. Give we did a podcast, a birthday pod the other day, didn't we? Uh, with uh, a lovely guy who was talking about how sometimes the idea of music is oh, yeah. better than the music itself. And that's a really good example. I mean, I yeah. do feel that I did get it. I listened to it for ages, desperately trying to, because as you say, it was so fashionable and everybody thought, you know, this is the right, you either got this thing or you didn't, and it made you a different kind of person if you're on the inside, you know. And I eventually did. I kind of understood what the noise was that he was trying to create. And the more that I read about it, the more I discovered that he couldn't really play an instrument and he'd sung the parts to the band. Uh, the more fascinating it became. It became like a kind of huge art statement. But um, but would you go? I like the idea of it far better than I like listening to it. Yeah, I've thought yeah. about Trap Mask Replica and looked at those pictures. It's g- I've thought about the, the, the enormous... personnel, the wing deal, fingerling, you yeah. know, mascara snake. I've thought about that line of the magical combination of people uh, far more than I put that record down. I've got it upstairs. I, w- I would no more go out and get it this afternoon and stick it on than, uh, than fly to the moon. I should have to wait. And also, second point, which brings me to James's second point. You would only play it if your good lady wife was out the house. With yeah, absolutely. <laughs> God's like, what is that racket? Who's torturing a you cat? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I know where you're coming from, James. Um, Phil Turner, actually, back to the subject of McCartney. He did this thing at the, from the festival hall on Friday night, um, which was streamed. And uh, another word in your attic guest, Samir Ahmed, says, did a very good job as host. Let the float, conversation flow. But plenty have moaned about chat being too Beatles-centric. Is interviewing him a thankless task now? Well, I don't think he's ever a thankless task because he's a terrific interview. He's always got something to say. Yeah, he's but, really funny. But, but in, in the case of, um, of that chat, I didn't see it myself, but... It, if you're doing a thing with Paul McCartney and it's going to be streamed, presumably worldwide or whatever, it's kind of a big audience. The last thing you want to do is to encourage him to get into. Can you tell us more about the B side of kind of a track from Chaos and Creation in the backyard or whatever? You're going to want to. You're going to lose ninety nine percent of the audience. You've got to well, concentrate on the the, the the big stuff that everyone's you, involved you gotta, with. That everybody's involved with. Everybody yeah. has a way into, and so. You know, if you're interviewing somebody like that, and um, particularly if you're doing it on telly or you're doing it from broadcast or radio or anything, when they naturally get onto a subject which is really familiar to a load of people, you just thank God inside, don't you? Yeah. You you just think, relax, it's going to be fine. Because you can feel the attention in the room just rising as soon as he does that. And then not him, just anybody. And the minute they get into something obscure or they you can go hear the off shuffling. on a tangent, you can just feel yeah. the room going away from yeah. it, you know. So I'm not surprised if she encouraged him to, you totally. know, to stay on that subject. Also, he's, he is it either comes up with something vaguely new or will give you something he may have told someone before, but with such enthusiasm. 
and such vigor and verve that you kind of feel you're hearing it for the first time. And he's and he's very, very charismatic and incredibly funny. And good also, what a good un- choice of interviewer. Great. Choice. He also understands he's Paul McCartney. Yeah. And so there's he's got your attention he, already. He's got your attention because he's Paul McCartney. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so if he talks about doing ordinary things, which he very often does, he knows that that's interesting because he's Paul McCartney. Yeah. Because it's kind of not what you'd expect. Well, why, why shouldn't you expect it? You know, he plays with that idea. Jason Brooks says, when was the last time you popped into HMV and what did you buy? I didn't, I haven't popped into HMV God, in a while. I, I, went, I, went in, I went into I went into a shop yesterday, a record shop yesterday, um, and went looking for an all-neck Coleman record, which Brent Hansen had played as a bit of last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. And couldn't find it, so left. Which record shop um, did you go to? I went to this little jazz outlet in uh, in uh, Foils in uh, Charing Cross Road. Uh, it's on the oh, first floor, second floor. Brilliant. Uh, and uh, it's a very, really good little jazz shop. Just happens to be within Foils. And uh, I, I couldn't find this record. I should have asked, but I just uh, he was dealing with somebody else, so I didn't bother. Um, so... Um, and that's uh, that's my disappointing answer to your question, Jason. Um, Carl Adlam says Judas Priest have released a 42 disc box set. Oh, yes, I saw that. Yeah, that's uh, his question was, is are there any bands that you listen to 42 discs of? That's a no. really good question. No, there aren't, there aren't, there, there aren't none. none. Not 42. Because your level of invention has got to be absolutely staggering. You've got to be a kind of a Steely Dan, haven't you? Or, uh, uh, and also, they haven't, they, Steely Dan, you know, hadn't made 42 discs. Now, I'm trying to think, I listened to a lot of Miles Davis, but 42 discs, I'm not so sure. No. A dozen, probably, you know, because you can find a dozen Miles Davis records which are exceptionally good. Uh, but not 42. 42. <laughs> think, you don't need to be listening to priest. that because you're so obsessed. You want to hear uh, the minute differences on this take compared to another take. You know, it's that kind of, it's the Grateful Dead kind of syndrome, isn't it? Paul, but no, Paul 42 Harrison is said, ridiculous. Paul Harrison says, I've I've subscribed to the Dylan Vinyl series. What is this, Mark? I don't know about this. This is the whole lot. I'm trying to make myself a fan. Am I mad? Taking your set latter question first, yes. Don't try and make yourself a fan of anybody. It's just no point at all. You know what I mean? Surely it either connects with you or it doesn't. It does. Although are we are we now are we uh, uh, contradicting what we've just said about Captain Beefheart Trap Mask Replica? No, the joy about Trap Mask Replica is very often not to do with playing it. Just to do with kind of knowing about yeah, it, and finding yeah. it stimulating and amusing. Um, but uh, the idea of somebody trying to like Bob Dylan, it just—it's not going to work, you know. You're right because you, you, here, here's what I'd, what I'd say: you either like the way he sings or you don't. And if you don't like the way he sings, nothing else he does is going to compensate. No. It's not going to get you around that. It's going to be a massive obstacle, which you're never going to get over. Because in the end, it's his musical personality in all its different forms, and boy, it's varied over the years. 
that's the winning thing, isn't it? Really, that's the thing you form Completely. a relationship with, um, and so you know you're not going to get round that at all. Um, also, he said somebody else actually, Hazy Cloud Song says, uh, yeah, and uh, John Flaherty uh, talking about the resumption of the never-ending tour, uh, and uh, you know what do we think? Because you, you've got you've got a set list, haven't you, Mark? Of uh, I have some. I'm just trying to see if I can find it. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. He, basically, Dylan played. Um, where are he, Dylan played eighteen songs? This was his first show. I think in, it was in Milwaukee. First show for two years. Played eighteen songs. It's really interesting that three songs of that on that set list were from the sixties, and one from the seventies, and everything else was more modern. Can I guess? So, oh, right. Three... See, I've got it here. See if you can guess the 60s ones. Oh, God. Or only does three. Do, does he do Mr. Tambourine Man? No. Okay. All right, I give up. Go no, on. it's most likely you go your way and I'll go mine, go which on. was 1960. I'll be your baby tonight. And it takes right. a lot to laugh. It takes a train to cry. It takes a train to cry. No. So that's really interesting. That, 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 and the 70s would have been watching The River Flow. Okay. Uh, and maybe Simple Twist of Fate, actually. Okay, all right. Yes, sorry, there's two there. But that's quite interesting that he's not that reliant on that early catalogue. The Stones, however, played the other night. Played 19 oh, songs, 12 I've got a, I've got a, of those. 12 of those wanna, from the 1960s and three I want from to the guess 70s. This. I want to guess this. 12 Rolling Stones songs from the from 1960s. From the 1960s, played the other night. That yep. they still play in the 2020s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I was, yeah. I was thinking about this. Satisfaction. They've got to have done Satisfaction. Yes. Uh, I let's have a quick look. Yes, they do. Sure. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Jumpy Jack Flash. Yep. Jumpy Jack Flash. Honky Tonk Women. Yep. Uh, Gimme Shelter. Uh, yes. They something from Let It Bleed. They, they probably don't play Midnight Rambler anymore. Do they? they don't do Midnight Rambler. They don't do Brown Sugar. I'll tell you what. I'll tell Sim- you what well, Brown Sugar's in the seventies anyway. Sympathy oh, for the Devil. Sympathy for the Devil. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. You can't um, always get what you want. They did. Okay. They did. Honky Tonk Women. Yes. Uh, Midnight Rambler. Painted black. No, they d- they did yes. Midnight Rambler. They did do so Midnight Rambler. Dropped, Sorry, they did. They yeah. dropped Brown Sugar because yeah. it's not politically correct. But they've kept Midnight, Midnight Rambler. Rambler. I know they did. Which I is know. about a murder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God! It's so what's the all right? And then how many done. more recent ones? Go on. What, what are the recent ones? What are the recent? I'm trying to think what the recent ones are. Um, they did rocks off. Uh, oh, nineteenth oh, nervous it. breakdown. They did too. They did rocks off. All right. Uh, tumbling yeah. dice. Uh, start me up. Connection slipping away. Keith Connection Richards on lead connections vocals. Connection is also between Keith the buns. It's yeah, Keith's um, uh, Miss you. And right. uh, I think that's about it. But it's interesting, isn't it, that Dylan is not nearly as reliant on that very <laughs> early catalogue. What a great position he's in. But also, it has but to be said, a lot of people don't really want to hear him play those early songs because they're kind of but also. But where was Bob Dylan playing? Presumably some bowling alley in Milwaukee or yeah. something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some Legion Hall in Moose Droppings, Ohio. Where were the Rolling Stones playing? Some enormous dome in, in yeah. front of 50,000 people. Yeah, so yeah. it's a different audience, isn't it, really? It is. So you see why we you see why both uh, both doing John Crane 
wants to know if we've got any thoughts on doing a recommendation list of books, films, podcasts of the year. Oh, my Lord. Not at the moment. Not at the moment. God, the moment. how many films have we seen? I mean, it'd be the cinema ones. Christ. I tell you, the book I would recommend, John Cooper Clark's I Want to Be Yours, yeah, yeah. which yeah, is yeah. fantastic. I, mean, I think it actually came out in hardback last year. That is simply one of the greatest biogs I have ever read. It's fantastic. No, it's Grace very good. One. Very Superb. good. So put that on your Christmas list. And um, and if you're looking for a gift to buy for yourself this Christmas, you could consider being a Patreon supporter. <laughs> oh, that was effortless. <laughs> it brings you a normal bring you enormous pleasure and us a little bit of pleasure as well. And you know, because you know, we we do a, an awful lot of this for love, undoubtedly. But a little bit of cash helps the love go down well, it does. doesn't it? Okay, keeps the wheels so you oiled. Could, you could you could consider joining those uh, those group of the elect, the favoured supporters who are actually expressing their cash in uh, in monetary uh, their their affection in monetary terms, and also have joined us, you know, to be our guests, uh, birthday guests on Word of Your Attic. And sometimes on the podcast, you know, so if you want to be among that group, where do you, where, where do you go and look? You go and look on patreon.com slash word in your ear for further details. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.